work in it so that it produces so that we can have that. What's awesome about it is, you know, we we refer to the original intent so much in this church. I don't know. We probably go to Genesis probably three out of five times we minister. And what's so cool about it is these men are doing what God originally intended for man to take care of the earth, to guard it, to keep it, to put something in the ground and make sure that it's fruitful and that it multiplies. This is what God had to say in Genesis chapter 8. This is starting with verse 21. This is after the flood. Okay, Jesus, or uh, God created man, man fell. He sends a flood, tells Noah, look, there's nobody righteous on the earth, but I'm going to start this thing over. I'm not in a let's just get everybody out of the earth mentality. Let's find out how we can fix this. And so he finds Noah and his family, the only righteous people on the face of the planet, and says, I'm going to wipe out the planet, but I'm going to start back over with you. And so once the flood waters die down, he has this to say to Noah in verse 21, the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Verse 22 says, while the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. This is the cool thing. He goes over into Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Well, doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like what God told man originally in Genesis chapter 1? And so... There is a law. When God the King speaks, he puts things into law. He puts things into action. This is how it has to be. This is how it's going to be. And so he has established seed time, a time of putting in and harvest, a time of gathering, that which has matured, that which has multiplied. And this morning, I want to pray over these men. We want to bless the harvest this morning. There's a harvest that these men are naturally about to receive. There's a harvest that these men have worked over all year long, have toiled over. Sometimes it's looked good, sometimes it's looked bad. But here's the awesome thing is that we serve a king. We serve a king that knows exactly how this stuff is supposed to work. He knows how it's supposed to work beyond our science, beyond our knowledge, beyond of how it was last year or five years ago or the work that we've put in this man. God in heaven has established this principle. And what he's established, he will make sure it comes to pass. He said, I've established a time of seed time, putting in, but I've also established a time of harvest. And we don't trust our science. We don't trust our knowledge, but we trust in him. And so this morning, I want you all to agree with us together. I want you to stretch your hands towards these men. I want you to also take this into account that there are wives, there are children, there are families that are about to make a sacrifice along with these men. A time where they will be out before the sun's up and they won't be home until the sun's down and even later than that. 
there's a sacrifice made on all accounts. And we want to pray for God's grace and God's guidance through this entire process, not just for the crops, but for their families. We want their families to be fruitful and multiply. We want their marriages to be fruitful and multiply. We want their their businesses, everything they put their hand to, to prosper. For some of these men, the harvest, what they're about to reap is not the only thing they put their hand to. They've got other entities that they've got to watch over and take care of while they're doing this process. So we want to pray over these men and And I thank God for his strength and his guidance. Father, we thank you this morning. Agreeing together as one body, one unit, one family. Your word says when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one hurts, we all hurt. Father, we thank you that we can connect together as a family, as one unit. We may not know everything they're enduring and everything they're going through, but we can pray and come into agreement where two or more are gathered in your name. You hear those prayers. You answer those petitions. So, Father, I thank you this morning for each one of these men. For the work, the continuing work that they're about to endure for the next several months. Father, we thank you for this harvest. That we have done everything we can to this point naturally. And, Father, we know that you know the answer. You know exactly when to start bringing it in. You know exactly how much rain is needed. How much a sun is needed. How much soil is needed. You know exactly when these, uh, th- these crops need to be picked, pulled, harvested. So, Father, we thank you for your guidance and your direction. I thank you that the crops that are in front of us today, represented by these men, they will do greater and better than anything else in this county. We thank you that by your word, Not by what we've endured through the summer, not by how the spring was, not by how it looks on the outside, but because we know that your word stands forever. You will see to it that these crops are fruitful and that they multiply. Every cotton, every soybean, every pecan, anything that we've put in the ground, Father, I thank you that you oversee it. Father, we acknowledge today that you are Lord of the harvest. You're the Lord of the harvest. We are your stewards. You have placed us to uh, in a position to have dominion and to guard and to keep and to oversee. But Father, in the end, it is you that causes the increase. So Father, we rely on your spirit. We rely on your direction. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to each one of these men as we go through this season. To know exactly, to not look at things on the outside naturally, but to know on the inside, by your spirit, what needs to be done at the right time. Father, we pray for these families. We pray for the wives and we pray for the children. We thank you that your grace is upon them because you've called these men into these positions of honor. You've called these men into these positions to harvest these crops. And so we pray your blessings not only over the crops themselves, but over those that are overseeing the crops. That marriages will be strong. That will still continue to be husbands, still continue to be fathers. Father, that during this time, there will be no lack, there will be no gap. But you will see to it 
that these marriages and these families are strengthened to endure this process. You've given us the grace to do this because you called us. You've called us. Father, I thank you for every employee. I thank you for every assistant that works alongside these men. That they follow directions. They work quickly and swiftly. They show up promptly. They do not slack. Father, to oversee everything that you have called us to do. We bless this harvest today in the name of Jesus. This will be the greatest year. This will be the greatest harvest. We declare it this morning in the name of Jesus. And all God's people in agreement said, Amen and Amen. Gentlemen, we love y'all. We appreciate everything you do. Thank y'all so much. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Y'all may be seated. Amen. I appreciate you all being here. I know here definitely coming up, you know, it becomes harder and more difficult uh, on the weekends to make it. And I appreciate you taking the sacrifice and the time to be here in service with us this morning. You're an absolute blessing to this church, to this body in many ways, even beyond what you know. Hallelujah. I want to go back to Genesis chapter 8. And I want to stay in the vein of harvest. uh, Because although these men are about to obtain a harvest naturally, you know, an actual natural harvest, I believe that there's a harvest that God wants us all to be in expectation for. You know, when you're harvesting, when, when you are... When you've worked so long to put something in the ground, uh, there's an expectation of what's going to come up. There's an expectation. And um, I believe, you know, that this principle of seed time and harvest is not just relegated to natural crops and and, and farms and, and the agriculture that we see in the earth. I believe that there's a spiritual principle that is in this as well. I believe there's a spiritual seed time season. For each one of us, I believe there's a spiritual harvest time for each one of us. And so I want us all to be in expectation of a blessed harvest, even in our lives. That may mean financially that there's seed that you've put in the ground and you're waiting for a harvest financially. That may mean uh, in your marriage that you've put seed in the ground. You've done things to uh, make sure that there's a, a mature crop that shows up in your marriage, maybe in your family, in your business. In your home, whatever it is, you may have family members that are lost and you've been putting seed in the ground for lost family members. It's time for that harvest to come into the kingdom. Amen. I know as a pastor, uh, you know, I look back at the three years and three years is not a long time, but uh, we've been planting. That's why they call it church planting. There's seed that's gone in the ground and I am in a position of expectation of a great harvest for this church. Amen. I'm in expectation of a crop, a mature crop that's going to come in as a result of the planting of the word and the planting of the work that has been been, uh, done here over the last several years in Valdosta. Let's look at Genesis chapter 8. Let's start with verse 21 again. And it says here, And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, 
nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, shall not cease. And then we get on over to Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I want you to know that today God is still giving us the same command. Be fruitful and multiply. God is into multiplication. God is into a process of multiplying the things that we have in our hands. God wants to multiply the things that he has placed within our hands, that we steward over. There is a principle that God has placed the seed in the ground. Obviously, we're the ones working it. We're the ones overseeing it. But ultimately, it belongs to him. And that makes us stewards. Adam and Eve were stewards over what belonged to God. What is a steward? A steward is one that oversees the affairs of another. See, it's ultimately God's principle. It is God's hand that is in the entire process from the time the seed goes in the ground to the time the harvest, the, the, the crop is harvested. It's God that's overseeing it. And we are in the process, we are in the position of stewarding his stuff. It doesn't belong to us. Ultimately, it's his responsibility to ensure that it comes out as long as we do our part. When we do what he's asked us to do. He asked Adam and Eve, he said, I'm giving you dominion over all the earth. I'm making you a governor. I'm, I'm making you a manager over the earth. It doesn't belong to you. Psalms tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's. It belongs to him. But he's given us the earth to control and to manage. So this principle, when we look at seed time and harvest, this wasn't a man's idea. This wasn't thought of by a man that said, hey, let's put something in the ground and then let's see what comes out. And and then whatever comes out, we'll use that to take care of us. That wasn't our idea. That was God's idea. See, God is all about putting seed in the ground. The Bible tells us that God took a seed. And when God puts a seed in the ground, he expects it to bear fruit or to multiply after its own kind. And God took his most valuable seed. Bible, Jesus said, if a, if a grain of wheat it falls to the earth and dies, will it not produce more? And Jesus was talking of himself. God took a seed, his only son. See, this is a principle that even God follows. God doesn't expect things to just happen, poof, there it is. He knows that there's a principle of if you want to receive something, you've got to put something down. He took his only son, placed him in the earth. His son died, but now he knows that because his son dies and lives again, I have many sons, sons and daughters of the king. See, even God follows his his own principle of seed time. In harvest, He follows his own rule, his own law, that if I need to get something, I've got to give up something. 
I've got to put something in before I get something out. Look over in uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. God knows about harvesting. God knows how to receive a harvest. God knows how to watch over something that is planted to make sure that it's taken care of. Why? So that it will produce a harvest. John chapter 4 and verse 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? But Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. His work. See, Jesus acknowledged something. The thing that I'm working at, this isn't even my own thing. I'm doing this because someone sent me to do it. The harvest that God is calling you to produce in your life, you've got to know that someone has sent you to harvest that crop. Someone has sent you to oversee it. Someone has sent you to watch over it. It is the Lord's harvest, and we're overseeing his stuff. We're managing his stuff. This was Jesus' position. Do you not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I have sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, labored, and you have entered into their labor. Specifically, Jesus in this passage is talking about the lost. He's talking about the harvest coming into the kingdom of lost souls that have heard and heard and heard the word. Others have labored. We've got prophets all throughout the Old Testament that have labored to put seed in the ground. And now he's telling his disciples, and you're about to reap the harvest of what others, others have labored for. Of what others have labored for. Of what others have worked and toiled over. But regardless, there's a harvest that's coming up. And the reason why it doesn't matter who puts in the ground and who harvests is because ultimately it belongs to God. Ultimately, it's his harvest. I'm telling you today that if we could get a hold of that, if we could get a hold of the fact that it belongs to God and we're managing and overseeing and watching over what belongs to him, you will see blessing come into your life. You will see a harvest come in because now we're looking at it through his eyes. Now we're looking at it through his eyes. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, in verse 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. What's he doing? He's planting. He's planting. He's putting something in the ground. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary 
and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus just got done preaching, teaching, healing, raising the dead, doing some mighty works, putting seed in the ground. And here's where a lot of us are at today. Maybe you're in this position physically. Maybe some of you farmers are in this position this morning, naturally looking at your crops and seeing what Jesus saw here. Look what it says. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. There is nothing worse than doing all this work of planting, all this work of putting something in the ground and looking at it, and it doesn't look like you've done anything. (laughs) It doesn't look any different. There are seasons. Just like there are seasons naturally that farmers endure, there are seasons that maybe we're enduring in our lives. I've learned in, in talking with a lot of Uh, the farmers in our church, that there's damage on both sides with too much rain and too little rain. You need just the right amount. Just the right amount. And there are some in here that need more rain, and on the flip side of that, there's some others that don't need any rain. I got one guy praying for the rain to stop, and I got another guy praying for more rain. And it's just dawned on me that God is the one making this thing happen. He knows exactly what's needed. He knows exactly what's necessary. He knows exactly what season you're in. And if you're in a dry season, he knows how to get you what you need. And if you're in a wet season, you need it to back off a little bit. There's just so much coming in, you can't handle it all. He knows how to do that. Overall, he's the one watching over this crop. Overall, he is the Lord of the harvest, and we're just managing it. And I know it's a, it's a crazy position to be in when uh, you're told to do something and, it's, and, and it feels like you're not being resourced enough or they're not giving you real direction to it. But there is a principle of being able to allow God to work. God, I'm doing the best with what I have. And ultimately, that's what he wants. He wants us to do the best with what he's given us, and trust him that he will see this thing through. He will see this process through. Can you imagine Jesus' position? He has just given himself, sacrificed himself. He's putting seed in the ground, and then he turns around, he steps back and he looks, and he sees people that that are weary, they're scattered, they're tired, they look like sheep with no shepherd. There's nothing more discouraging than doing all the work and then turning around and looking and it's not producing the results that you want. But look what he says here and he keeps on going. He turns and he says to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. That means there's work to be done. The harvest is plentiful. That means there's plenty to do. There's work to do. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What's he saying? He's saying what he said over in John chapter 4. It is my food 
to do the will of the Father and to oversee his work. In a season where you feel like it's not producing what you want to see based upon the work that you've put in, he says to go to God. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Why? Number one, you're acknowledging that he's Lord. What does that mean? Lord means supreme in authority. Lord means it's really up to him to oversee that this thing comes through. I don't know what position you're in. I don't know what season you're in today. But I want to encourage you that ultimately the harvest is up to him. And when we manage and when we oversee, when we can talk like Jesus and say, I am doing the work of my father. I am overseeing the work that he sent me to do. I've done everything I can. I can. I've put the seed in the ground. I have watched over it. Now, God, it is time for you to perform. Go to the Lord of the harvest. Jesus is in a position here, and he's thinking, God, I'm doing what you've asked me to do. I'm not seeing the result that I think I ought to see. And there's plenty of work to do. Their laborers are few. I mean, you can just imagine Jesus in a conversation with God saying, why did you just send one of me? I need more help. I need someone else to help me oversee. But he stops himself and he says, I'm just going to talk to the Lord of the harvest because ultimately I'm doing his work. This is his thing. I've sacrificed my time. I've put in the work. I've put in the effort. I've managed and overseen what he has placed me in charge of. And ultimately, God, it is up to you. This is your harvest. If it's a dry season, if it's a wet season, if everything is going great or nothing's turning out the way you want it, it is always our responsibility to do our part and turn to him and say, God, this is your harvest. This is your harvest. I mean, I've had to do this myself in my own life. Not just with the church, but just personally watching the seasons that I'm in. And there's times there are dry seasons. I know pastors aren't supposed to have dry seasons, but I've had dry seasons. There's times that I sit down and it's like, God, I, they're, they're, I am short of stuff here. Or there's plenty of work and few laborers. But ultimately, I end every conversation, every prayer with, you are the Lord of the harvest. You're the one that knows what this church needs. You're the one that knows what my marriage needs. You're the one that knows what my family needs. You're the one that knows what my business needs. You're the one. I am putting my hand to something. He promised us that he would prosper what we put our hands to. That's the God that I serve. I do not serve a God that delegates to us the responsibility of watching over a crop and then he turns his back and says, I don't care what happens with it. You've got to know, you've got to know that God is invested in everything you do when you're doing his will and his purpose. That's what keeps me going. That's what encourages me. That's what keeps me pressing on is knowing that everything I'm putting my hand to, he's directed me, he's told me, he's led me, I'm doing his will and his work. And he's invested in what I'm putting my hand to. You need to know that today. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. God is invested in your life. 
God didn't place you here and forgot about you. God didn't place you here uh, and, and doesn't care what produces or what comes out. God knows every need that you have before you even ask. He, has so, he is so invested in your life that he has made a way out before you even got in. God knows what season you're in. And he knows what you need to bring in the harvest. If there's a seed time, you've got to trust there's a harvest time. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And Paul planted this church. Paul got this church going. But he's talking to a group of people here in 1 Corinthians that are not producing results based upon what was sown. And watch Paul's response. Verse 5, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then he, then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Number one, he identifies that there have been different roles and different assignments. Paul pastored this church, they say, anywhere from three to five years, and then placed Apollos over the church. And so he says, I planted this church. Then Apollos came in and watered. What is that? Overseeing. That's being fruitful and multiplying. That's watching, managing, and having dominion over what God has placed us in charge of. That's what that is. But he says, look, me planting, that's nothing. Apollos watering, that's nothing. Because ultimately it's up to God to bring the increase. He turns this thing over. He turns this thing over and says, God, it's your responsibility to bring the increase you have promised, to bring the harvest you have promised. We're putting the seed in the ground, and we're watching it, and we're managing it, and we're taking care of it just as you have asked us. And we've even got others that have come in and watered and helped make, the, make sure this thing produces and comes to pass, making sure that a harvest comes. But ultimately, God, it is your responsibility. You are the Lord of the harvest. No matter what season I'm in, no matter uh, if it's dry, no matter if it's watered, no matter if it's producing what I believe it should be producing. I trust that you are the Lord of the harvest. Look, we've all been in situations in our lives where we've put in work and it feels like nothing's producing. Such a discouraging place to be in life. If it's financially You've been doing the work. You've been working to get out of debt. You've taken three jobs. Uh, you're sacrificing time with your, with your wife and with your family. You've gone from one job to the next just searching for the right thing. And it just seems like nothing's producing. There's no harvest coming. Nothing is coming out as a result 
of all the work. It may be your marriage. You've put in work, you've put in work, you've put in work. You've walked in love, you've done everything you're supposed to do, and it's not producing. It may be your kids. No matter how many times you sit down with them, no matter how many times you try to direct them and raise them right, they still come home with bad reports and bad grades, still making stupid decisions. It doesn't matter. You ultimately have to get in a position that God, you, you're the Lord of the harvest. You're the Lord of the harvest. And on the flip side of that, it can be real easy to take credit for when everything goes right. When things start producing, when things start looking like we want them to look, when things start showing some fruit, some multiplication, hey, this thing's being fruitful, this thing's multiplying, this thing's producing exactly like I want it to. We still remain in a posture. Lord, you're Lord of the harvest. You're supreme in authority. You are watching over this thing. It's by your grace that this thing is producing. It's by your grace this marriage is restored. It's by your grace. It's not anything I did. It's not any counseling session I went to. It's not any therapy I took. It's not a matter of finally getting some tips on how to raise my kids. It's not a matter of me working all these jobs to get out of debt and to get our finances in order. It is by your grace that we're producing today. It's by your grace that we're fruitful. When you learn to remain in a posture of thankfulness and gratitude, he will see to it that everything you put your hand to prospers. Everything. I'm talking to people in this room. I I, I don't know what season you're in. I don't know if you're encouraged or discouraged. I don't know if you see the light at the end of the tunnel or everything's just gone dark. I don't, I don't know if you're living great and large or, or, or if it's, there's a struggle and you're not sure what's coming up, what kind of harvest we're getting. I don't know where you're at today, but I can tell you this. Either position, you have to remember, he is the Lord of the harvest. He's directing this thing. He's watching over this thing. You keep going. You keep doing Look, there was a time when everybody abandoned Jesus. Everyone abandoned Jesus, left him. You know, we think about Jesus, you know, everyone loved Jesus. Everyone was happy with him. No, there was a point he went to the cross all by himself, thinking, where's the harvest? This is the bleak moment right now. This does not look like what my father promised. But he knew. If the seed's gone in the ground, and if the laborers have done the work to watch over the seed, Acts was coming. Acts chapter 2 was coming. 3,000 added to the church in one day. Go over another chapter, and and another 5,000 are added to the church. Why? Because the seed was put in the ground. Laborers were watching over it, giving credit and thankfulness with a heart of gratitude to God as the Lord of the harvest, knowing that you're the one that brings the increase. And even after the crop showed up, Paul still has to do more work. Every church that was planted required work. You go over to Revelations and the the letters that are written to the seven churches. Only one out of seven came out right. 
Only one. One out of seven had, I, I, I have nothing to bring to you. Because laborers working the crops that God had placed them in charge of. Laborers going in and seeing the harvest and knowing we're working what belongs to him, but he's the one that's going to bring the increase. Wherever you're at today, I want you to know. Wherever you're at today, I want you to know that God is the Lord of the harvest. God is the one overseeing this thing, making sure that it produces that which he has promised. I want you to know today that God is faithful. I want you to know today that God is faithful. There's people in this room today, you you have received a promise from God. And there's nothing like getting a promise and then waiting for someone to follow through. But I want you to know today that God is faithful. Even when man has failed you. Even when your spouse has let you down. Even when your children haven't come through. I want you to know today that God is faithful. He is the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. Whatever harvest you're believing for. Whatever crop you're overseeing, I encourage you to stay with it. I encourage you to keep pulling, keep tugging on the Word of God. His Word never fails. His Word never returns void. His Word never comes back unfaithful. And when we remain faithful to Him, He will be faithful to us. There may be some of you in this room, you've been tithing and you've been giving. And you know there's a blessing. You know there's a promise. Maybe you haven't seen things turn. I encourage you, stay faithful. Someone asked me one time, how long, how long do I keep praying? How long do I keep believing? Until you see it. <laughs> Until you see it. I don't remember who it was, but there was, I believe she was an Olympic swimmer had a goal. She wanted to swim the Strait of Gibraltar. And it was foggy and she's swimming and she kept feeling like she just couldn't keep going. And eventually she stopped and and when she stopped and got to where she was going, she realized she didn't even have that much more to go. The answer, the end, the promise, the blessing could be right around the corner. promise you today that if you remain faithful to God, He will remain faithful to you. He already has been. He already has been. We keep trusting. We keep believing. I'm telling you today, you've got, you've got faithfulness to look back on. You've got moments. You've got small little things in your life that you can look back and say, God saw me through that. Let me just give you a testimony. Back in April, I received a phone call from my parents that long-time friends of ours, our very first pastors back in Texas, their son, who's the same age as me, 
had a child that was born at 23 weeks. April, May, June, July. In August, I go, he was due the second week of August, and they're hoping any time we can bring him home. Battled so many things. At one point, they said that, uh, I think I think it was spina bifida they said that he had. They said that his lungs weren't going to make it. They weren't viable. They expected him to die within hours of being born. Just three weeks ago, he texted me and, and asked me to pray because they found a blood clot, blood clot on his brain that was... Uh, that had completely shut down the right side of his brain and he wasn't going to be uh, he wasn't going to be able to do anything no motor skills, not talk, not eat, not walk prayed and the very next day the report came back and it was gone completely gone and I haven't been on you know, any social media this month I've taken a break and so I, I texted him and I said, hey, you, know, you got to keep me posted. You got to let me know what's going on and how he's doing. But apparently they've been really busy because yesterday my wife showed me that he went home with his parents. He's at home. No medication. No oxygen. No machine. The doctors told him, told the parents, he's completely perfect. Nothing wrong. Somebody that stood the test and watched over the crop, putting the seed, putting the time, putting the effort in the ground, seeing no results. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. But you got to know that there's the Lord of the harvest that's watching over the crop, making sure that it will produce as long as we remain managers over his stuff. That's not their baby. That's God's child. That's a child of the king. And they've been placed over his life as stewards and parents to watch over that life. And even when it looked like nothing was producing, even when it looked like things were dying, remain faithful. And they brought the harvest home yesterday. They brought the harvest home yesterday. What harvest does God have you watching over? What harvest does He have you looking at, feeding, and watering? You can't give up. We can't give up. We keep pressing. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. I'm going to keep putting in. I don't care what it's producing. I'm going to keep investing. I don't care uh, what it looks like. And I don't care what everybody else is saying. I'm going to keep putting the time in. Because until he gives me another assignment, I'm watching this thing to make sure it produces. And yes, there's work. Yes, there's laboring. Yes, there's toiling involved. But in the end, it's worth it when we receive his crop, his harvest. And in the end, we give him all the glory. We give him all the praise. We give him all the honor because he's the Lord of the harvest. He's supreme in authority. And he will watch over his word to make sure it performs. It will not return to 
you will rejoice. You'll look back and you'll see all the sacrifice and all the time and all the effort put in, but you'll rejoice and you'll say, God, it was worth every second. It was worth every minute. And I give you all the glory. When someone asks you, man, how did you get that crop? How did you get that harvest out? Man, God is good. God watched over this thing. We just kept working. We just kept doing our part. But in the end, it was him that saw us through. He gets all the glory and he can do it for you. You'll have a testimony to share with Father, we thank you this morning. Father, we thank you that the crop, the field, the plant that you have us watching over, whether it be naturally on the earth, in the ground today, or whether it be spiritually, whether it be physically, whether it be mentally, whatever it is that you've had us guarding over and watching over. Father, we take responsibility for what you have given us what you have placed in our hands. We continue working. We continue to remain faithful to your work. We continue to remain faithful to what you have called us to. The assignment that you have placed over us. But Father, we thank you today. We're encouraged to know that you are the Lord of the harvest. We thank you this morning that you bless the harvest. Whatever we put our hand to, Father, I thank you that it prospers. It prospers. It's fruitful. And it multiplies. Father, we get our eyes off of the natural. We get our eyes off of what it looks like on the outside. And we begin to look and to lean on by your Holy Spirit what it looks like on the inside. We thank you for guidance and direction this morning. You tell us when to put the put it in the ground and you tell us when to pull it up. Father, no matter what season we're in today, I thank you that you are watching over that crop. You are watching over this harvest to make sure that it is fruitful and that it multiplies in our lives. We thank you today. We will give you all the honor. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.